you before. We've been on a series looking at life in the Spirit, the person and presence of the Holy Spirit. And this week, we're going to talk about what it means to be bold witnesses, bold witnesses. So uh, I've been like um, excited to preach all day today. So uh, I'm really excited this service. So if I get a little extra loose, all right, you're just going to have to bear with me. Uh, Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 23, hear the word of the Lord. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, David, uh, your servant, our father, David. This is what David said. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand. And heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And that's the last sentence I want to focus on. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God Boldly. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would shake us up in this room. You would shake this room up. That we would all walk out of here filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking your word boldly. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, when I became a Christian at 19 years old, I was on fire for Jesus. I wanted everyone to know of his love. I wanted everyone to know of his power. I wanted everyone to know of his compassion for the world. And there was a boldness that I possessed. I would organize church services on the street. I would preach near projects in Brooklyn. I wanted to let everyone know about this Jesus. But for all of us, our boldness has a limit. There's only so far that our boldness goes. And my boldness had a limit as well. And I recognized my limit on the subway. One day as I was on the A train going from Manhattan to Brooklyn, I had this deep sense in this crowded train that God was calling me to preach. And I had that moment that I said, oh, no, Lord, why me? Why me? I will not preach this message. And I've just felt God saying, I want you to preach. I want you to preach. And so after I mustered up the courage, Lord, what am I going to say? I'm not having this conversation out loud. That'd be really weird on the train. But I say, Lord, what do you want me to say? And I just sense God saying, tell them I love them. Tell them there is hope. Tell them not to give up. And so next stop goes by. Okay, next stop, God, I'll do it. Stand clear of the closing doors. You know, and then next stop, I'll do it. Oh, no, no, next stop. And so this adrenaline is building up inside of me. This anxiety is building up inside of me. And finally, I got the courage to stand up. And as I stood up and the train came to a stop and the doors opened, I stood up and walked right out the train. Just walked right out the train. I think I got on another train, went going the wrong direction. I was all messed up. I said, Lord, I refuse to do anything of the sort. 
Now, although I didn't preach on the subway, I want to tell you of someone who did recently. Her name is Minu George. She's one of our small group leaders at New Life. And Minu is an Indian-American young adult, and she's one of the sweetest people you will ever meet. But her sweetness doesn't mean she doesn't have boldness. And last week, Red told me that he and some New Lifers went out to do some street evangelism. Get this, from 9 p.m. to 2 a.m., 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. to do some street evangelism. And part of the evangelism that night was to preach on the subway. And so Red sent me a picture of Minu just preaching. This is her right there preaching uh, in this crowded subway. And I was taken aback by her boldness. And I was struck by her courage. And what she sent to Red in the email was, re- was really awesome to see as well. She said these words. She said, that day when I stepped out to evangelize, I was looking at people through kingdom eyes, and I saw so much brokenness as these people needed healing and restoration in Christ. I'm grateful for this opportunity as it taught me how to walk on water and to continue walking on water. When I saw this picture of Minu, I couldn't help but think about the church in the New Testament because if the church possessed one thing, that thing was courage. If the church possessed one thing, that thing was boldness. Courage and boldness, as Dr. King said, is an inner resolution to go forward despite obstacles. An inner resolution to go forward despite obstacles. And one of the distinguishing effects of someone being filled with the Spirit is a boldness that characterizes people. Now, last week, we talked about being empowered witnesses. When someone is empowered by the Spirit, that person is bold. And wherever you find yourself today, whether a high school student or a college student, whether young or old, God wants to fill all of us in this room with this Spirit to empower us to be bold witnesses in this world. And this is what we see in our passage this afternoon. In this passage, we see a story of extraordinary boldness, a story of extraordinary courage. When we pick up in our text in Acts chapter 4, there is great tension in the air. And the tension that we see in our passage came as a result of the church doing something good in the previous chapter. In Acts chapter 3, it's the story of James, uh, Peter, and John, two of Jesus' disciples, on their way to prayer at 3 o'clock. They were going to the 3 o'clock service. And as they're on their way to the 3 o'clock service, they notice that there is a man in front of this gate called Beautiful, in front of the temple. And this man had been lame for 40 years. So for 40 years, no one could do anything about his situation. For 40 years, no one had the power to change him. And so Peter and John walk up to this gate called Beautiful. The Bible says that they see the man, and the man, thinking that they were about to give him some change, he perhaps took out his cup and started shaking it. And the Peter and John, it says, they look at him and they say these words, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And so the man begins to walk, and not only does the man begin to walk, it begins to say that he begins to dancing and jumping and praising God. And he's in the temple praising God, and, and, and at that moment, after Peter heals this man in the name of Jesus, Peter begins to preach about Jesus. And Peter's uh, sermon that day was very simple. It was a four-point sermon, and I want just, uh, to just summarize the sermon for you. He heals the man, and then he begins to preach about Jesus, and this is essentially what he said in his sermon. Point number one was this. Jesus was the Messiah we were waiting for. Point number two, you killed him. Point number three, God raised him from the dead. Point number four, say you're sorry. That was the sermon. That was, Jesus was the Messiah we've been waiting for. 
You killed him. God raised him from the dead. Say you're sorry. And he preached. That's basically what he preached in Acts chapter 2. And the religious leaders did not like the sermon. (laughs) They did not like the sermon at all. And so they summoned Peter and John to go before the council, this religious council. And this religious council was the repository of all revealed truth about God. They were the ones who put a stamp of approval or disapproval pertaining to the things of God. And so they had the power to kill these apostles. And so after some time with them, the council tells them to be silent about the name of Jesus. And I just want to just parenthetically say, I find this, uh, this passage here to be an interesting lesson about the nature of power. That as long as the church was keeping to themselves, having their own prayer meetings and such, the religious and political establishment was just fine. But when the church began to demonstrate power in the streets, all of a sudden, the political and religious uh, institutions began to get nervous. And so they tell the men, you can have your prayer meetings, but stop talking publicly about Jesus. And the, the, and the apostles respond in this way. They say these words. They say, we cannot possibly restrain ourselves from speaking about what we have seen and heard with our own eyes and ears. And so they release these two men because the crowd was on their side because they saw a miracle. And the Peter and John, they go back to the church. And when they go back to the church, we have the first recorded prayer of the church in the book of Acts. This is the first recorded prayer in the church. And this is what they said. They say, Lord, now consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Let me ask you this. Don't raise your hand. When's the last time you prayed for boldness? When's the last time you woke up in the morning and said, God, give me courage today. God, give me boldness. And let's be honest, if we were caught in that same situation, if we had been arrested and our lives were spared, when we got back to the rest of the church, we would say, whoo, that was close. We'd say we could have been killed for doing something like that. We say maybe we should preach something else. Maybe we should talk about God in a generic way, but not about Jesus. Or maybe we can focus on something less offensive. And then after we, uh, you know, commiserate with our people, then we would say, let's pray a prayer. And then we would pray good old American prayers. We would say, Lord, pray, keep us safe. Lord, protect us. Lord, bless us and nobody else. Good Chris Rock prayer. Bless us and nobody else. We would pray American prayers. But after this encounter, they returned to the church. And in, instead of praying for safety, they pray for boldness. Instead of praying for protection, they prayed for courage. And instead of hiding, they come out and say, Lord, we will not shriek, uh, shrink back in fear. We will speak boldly. And the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now, in order to get the full effect of this message, you have to understand that the church wasn't always this way. And when you understand the church's history, you begin to feel a little bit of hope for yourself. Because at one point in the church's history, the church was not courageous. At one point in the church's history, the church was not bold. At one point in the church's history, they were afraid and they were hiding. The Bible says in John chapter 20, after Jesus was killed, the disciples ran and they hid and they locked themselves in a room. And if this was in New York City, this is the locks that they would have had on the door. 
You ever been to somebody's house? Who is it? All right, give me a second. It's going to take a while here. Click, 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 and then you open the door. At one point, there was no boldness. At one point, there was no courage. But then the Holy Spirit came, and something changed inside of them. Now, when I look at the church, before the Spirit came, I see many of our lives. Instead of living bold and courageous lives in the name of Jesus, what Dr. King called the inner resolution to go forward despite obstacles, many of us are stuck, hiding, fearful. Let me ask you, when's the last time you stepped out of your comfort zone? When's the last time you did something that required a power beyond yourself? And the truth is, for many of us, we can live our entire lives protecting our safety and protecting our security. And in the process, we miss out on what God wants to do through us. And many of us, we are not bold because we are afraid we will be misunderstood. We're not bold because we are afraid of failure. We're not bold because we are afraid of being labeled. We're not bold because we are afraid of rejection. But in the name of Jesus, we are to push through. Because God has blessing waiting for us many times on the other side of boldness. There's a story I heard this past week about a little girl that was on a plane, and on the plane, a missionary sat down beside her. And after a few minutes, the little girl looked at the missionary and asked him this peculiar question. She said, Mister, do you brush your teeth? And somewhat surprised, the missionary said, Well, yes, I brush my teeth. And then she said, It's a good thing because if you didn't, your teeth would rot and fall out. After a couple of minutes of Peace, the little girl continued. Mister, do you smoke? And he said, well, no, I don't smoke. She said, it's a good thing. Because if you did, you could die of cancer. Next question came a little sooner than the missionary had hoped. Mister, do you know Jesus? And the missionary proudly responded, I'm a missionary. Yes, I know Jesus. She said, it's a good thing because if you didn't, you can die and go to hell. Another man sat beside this missionary, and the little girl said, ask him, ask him. And reluctantly, the missionary asked, sir, the little girl wants me to ask you something. Do you brush your teeth? And the man was taken aback, and he said, yes, I brush my teeth. And he said, it's a good thing, because if you didn't brush your teeth, your teeth could rot and fall out. She said, ask him, ask him. Sir, the little girl wants to know, do you smoke? The man answered, no, I, I don't smoke. He said, it's a good thing because if you did, you could die of cancer. Ask him, ask him. And the missionary knew where this was going. And he said, no, no, I, I can't ask him that question. That's personal, said the missionary. And she said, oh, come on, don't be afraid. Ask him, ask him. And the guy said, sir, the little girl wants to know, do you know Jesus? And the man responded, no, I don't know Jesus, but I've been having some serious problems for some time now, and I sure would like someone to introduce me to this Jesus. Often there is blessing on the other side of boldness. And I believe God wants to push us through our fears. The church of Jesus called on him in the face of persecution. 
And the Holy Spirit filled them. And the question is, how could they have asked for boldness? How could they have the audacity in a culture like they were in to pray for boldness? How could they courageously be obedient to God? And the response is they could be bold because they had a particular understanding of the Holy Spirit. They believed that the Holy Spirit was the spirit of Jesus. And the spirit of Jesus was present to empower them. And the reason why they could be bold was because they believed that Jesus was truly with them. Not in some theological way, in a very real, literal way that Jesus was with them. That the Holy Spirit came as the fulfillment of God's promise to be with his people, to empower them to live the life that God is calling them to. And when you know who is with you, you can be bold. And when you know God is with you, you can be bold. This is why David, I love David in the Old Testament, because David in the Old Testament, he knew that whether he was fighting Goliath or whether he was taking down kingdoms, that the reason why he could be bold was because God was with him. This is what he says. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? And this should be our prayer together, everybody. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. Let's pray that together. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. One more time. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. God is with you. And because God is with you, not in some uh, uh, just theological kind of way up here, God is with you right here, right now. In the same way that God was with the church in the first century, God is with us. And because God is with us, God wants us to be bold. Now, what does it mean to be bold? First, let me tell you what it doesn't mean. Boldness does not mean being rude or arrogant or obtrusive. I've seen many people use boldness as an excuse for saying some bad things. And they say, I just want to be bold. I just want to just say this. I just want to say this. And we use our boldness as a means of, uh, as an excuse for saying some really bad things to other people. Boldness is not that, at least uh, spirit-filled boldness. Boldness is to courageously say yes to what the spirit is saying, which involves moving out of your comfort zone. And just to be clear, the Spirit loves to speak through a community grounded in Scripture. The Holy Spirit is always speaking. The question is, do we hear the Spirit? In a given day, the Holy Spirit will prompt you. In a given day, every day, the Holy Spirit is moving you. The Holy Spirit is prompting you. The Holy Spirit is nudging you to do certain things. And the question is, do we hear him? And I believe there are three kinds of people in this room, three kinds of people in this room. The first kind of person is the person that does not hear the promptings and movement of the Spirit because we're very distracted. And our lives are so distracted that we do not sense or feel or experience while God is speaking to us in a given day. That's the first kind of person. The second kind of person is someone that you hear the Spirit, you know the Spirit is speaking to you, but you do not have the courage to say yes to that. Have you ever, throughout the course of the day, you just, someone just came upon your heart? All of a sudden, you started thinking about someone. All of a sudden, you have to, oh, I just got to pray for that someone. God leads you. Call that person. And we say, oh, I can't call that person. I'm not going to call that person. Be generous with that person. Uh-uh, I'm not going to be generous with that person. Pray for that person. And, and we know what God is saying to us, but we don't have the courage to say yes and to actually do it. And the third kind of person is someone that hears God. They know they, they're sensitive to the Spirit's movements, 
And they say yes to following through on it. That's the kind of church I believe God is calling us to be. Those are the kind of followers of Jesus that we hear his voice and we say yes to the Spirit's movement. And so boldness means saying yes to step out of your comfort zone. And this means a lot of things for a lot of different people. For some of us to say yes means we're saying yes to sharing our faith, perhaps. That we have the best news in the world. That Jesus is resurrected from the dead. We have the best news in the world. And the reason that you're here, if you're a Christian and you're here today, it happened because someone was probably bold in their own faith and led you to Christ. And so we in turn are to be bold and demonstrate our faith in word, in action, in deed to those that are around us. Be bold. Boldness might mean saying yes to being honest. That to be truly honest requires boldness. To be vulnerable requires boldness. To look at how the past has shaped your presence, present requires boldness. To look beneath the surface of your life requires boldness. It requires courage. Be bold. To be bold means that uh, for some of us, we need to have hard conversations. Have hard conversations. For many of us, there are some hard conversations that you know you were supposed to have a while ago. And you've been delaying the inevitable. No, I'll, I'll, write, I'll find the right time to have the conversation. It's been years. And you know God is calling you to have an uncomfortable conversation, but God is going to move through that uncomfortable conversation. For some of us in this room, the, the, the word of God is be bold. To be bold is to say yes to God, to speak up when something is not right. And one of the biggest uh, challenges and tasks that the church has is to speak up when things are not right. The church needs boldness to address racism inside the church and outside the church. The church needs boldness to advocate for the poor. The church needs boldness to speak against unjust laws. And you and I need to uh, be bold when things are not right in our own world. We need courage to, to stand up and say something when people start stereotyping another culture in front of you. And when they talk disparagingly about one particular culture, we don't go along with it and laugh with them. We say, uh-uh, I am not going there. And we're bold in addressing, I refuse to participate in this kind of discrimination. When we're bold, we, 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 we need courage to speak up when someone begins to gossip about someone else in front of you. And instead of laughing and going ahead with it, to be bold means I will refuse to participate in a way that you're disparaging that person's character. And it's easy to just go along and laugh along with it. But in the name of Jesus, we will be bold to, to not participate in that kind of stuff. We need courage to speak up when we see people not being treated fairly, whether at the workplace or in the neighborhood. When things are not right, as the church, we are to speak up. We see this exemplified in a young man named Jonathan Butler this past week. Many of you are probably aware of what happened at the University of Missouri. There's African-American students were complaining that they were being treated unjustly. They, they were being discriminated against. In one of the meetings, it said that someone put a swastika in human feces on the wall. And so some students began to speak up, but nothing changed. Emails were sent, but nothing changed. And one of the protesters, his name was Jonathan Butler, he became an important part of the movement on that campus. And this graduate student, he consulted with church leaders and consulted with medical professionals because he was about to do a hunger strike. 
The injustice that he saw and witnessed was so bad that he said, either the president of the university is going to have to resign or I will die of starvation. And a few days later, the school football team said that they would not participate and play another game unless change happens in the area of racial justice. Some faculty said that they would not teach another class until issues of racial justice are addressed on this campus. And this past week, amid all the news that took place in our world, the president of the university stepped down. And surely there are many people that played a role in this, but I was taken aback by the boldness of this young man. And as a man of faith myself, I was inspired and challenged because I wanted to be said of my life and that the life of our church, that we live boldly. The early church refused to compartmentalize their faith. They saw their faith was more than just a private thing. They saw that their faith was more than just a personal experience with God. They carried their faith into the center of religious and cultural life. And to be bold is to recognize that the gospel is not restricted to what happens individually, that the gospel speaks to every aspect of our world, that the gospel speaks to racism in our world. The gospel speaks to how we treat immigrants in our world. The gospel speaks to the lives of the unborn in our world. The gospel speaks to the poor and those who keep the poor poor in our world. The gospel speaks to a, a culture of broken sexuality in our world. The gospel speaks to our marriages and singleness in our world. The gospel speaks to all of these things. And so brothers and sisters, we are called to be bold. If it's a hard conversation you need to have, be bold. If it's an adjustment in life that you need to make, be bold. If it's stepping out in leadership, be bold. For those of you that work with sex trafficking, to abolish that, if that's you, God is calling you to be bold. For those of you on campus ministries, be bold. For those of you integrating the gospel in your workplace, be bold. Because at the end of our lives, may it be said of my life and may it be said of your life what was said in Acts chapter 4 about these Christians. And this is what they said about them. They said when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And listen, they took note that these men had been with Jesus. May it be said about our lives that we are women and men that have been with Jesus. Because when you are with Jesus, all of a sudden he makes you bold. When you're with Jesus, you begin to say things that you typically would not say. When you're with Jesus, you refuse to listen to what other people are saying or refuse to be a servant of other people's applause and appreciation. You start living for one thing, as Paul said in Galatians chapter 1, am I still a servant of Christ or the servant of other people? When you begin to be bold with Jesus, he starts filling you in ways that you never thought was possible. And may it be said about our church that we are a community that has been with Jesus, that we are women that have been with Jesus. That we are men that have been with Jesus. And when God begins to empower us in our schools and in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces, may we speak the word of God boldly. Because when you've been with Jesus, something changes inside of you. May it be said of us, when people see our lives, may they take note that these women and men have been with 
Jesus. Amen. Amen. There's a story, I'll close with this. There's a story about Mother Teresa. And a person was going to Mother Teresa to get a prayer request. And the man comes up to her and says, Mother Teresa, could you pray for me? And she says, how can I pray for you? And he says, I need you to pray for clarity in my life, that I will have clarity. We've all prayed that prayer at one point or another. Lord, give me clarity. And Mother Teresa, perhaps prophetically, said, I will not pray for clarity. And it's like, that's messed up. (laughs) And she said, I will not pray for clarity. I will pray that God will give you trust. And for many of us in this room, the issue is not clarity. You know what God wants you to do. The issue is, are you going to trust him? The issue is, are you going to trust him to be bold? Many of us use prayer as a means to keep us from doing what God told us to do. We go, hey, would you like to consider this? Uh, let me pray about that. Well, how long are you praying about that for? I just need confirmation. Some, I need the Holy Spirit to give me confirmation. And some of us, we already know what God's calling us to do. And we use prayer as a means of just like delaying the inevitable. Hey, could you do this? Nah, I just got to pray about it. I just got to pray about it. And the issue is not clarity. The issue is boldness. The issue is trust. For some of you in this room, you know what God wants you to do. You know the conversation God wants you to have. You know the ways that he's calling you to step out. The question is not clarity. The question is trust. The question is boldness. I want to invite the worship team to come forward, and this is how I'd like to end. In the book of Acts, these men were filled with the Spirit, and women were filled with the Spirit. And the question is, how were they filled? I want you to know that they did not go into their own private rooms and start praying for the infilling of the Spirit. What they did was they prayed in community together. And there's something powerful that happens when we pray in community together. And when we pray for one another and pray with each other, there is a release of the Spirit that is different than when we're by ourselves. And so in this room, I want to give us about two to three minutes or so to have a moment we can pray for one another in groups of three or four for boldness, for courage, to step out into what God is calling us to do. And so this is what I like to do. Kate's going to be playing, and then we'll close with worship. For about three or four minutes, when I say break, you just look at the person next to you. I know the first couple of seconds get awkward. You're trying to figure out who's the person I'm going to talk to and pray with. And if you don't know them, just introduce yourself. Say, my name is Rich, and, uh, and if you'd like to add a request, you can say, I'd like to be bold for this area of my life this week. And if you don't want to pray that, that's totally fine. This is invitation. This is not imposition. But if you feel called to pray, that we'll pray with each other. And I'll pray that the Holy Spirit will fill us in this place, that we would walk out different than the way we came in, that people would take note that we have been with Jesus. And so right now, uh, turn to someone who's near you, get groups of three and four, and for about two, three minutes, just pray for one another as God leads you.
Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that the Holy Spirit would fill us to overflow. Lord, grant us boldness and courage. Lead us in the way that we should go. Help us to hear your voice and not just hear your voice, to be obedient to your voice when it speaks to us. Lord, may your kingdom come in us and through us wherever we go this week. Fill your people with boldness, Lord. For the glory of your name, the glory of your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Let's all. God is calling each and every one of you in this room to be bold, to take courage, to know that He is with you. And all of us in this room, we have a situation in our lives. If not right now, you will have one where God is calling you to be bold, to set aside fear in all of its realities and say yes to him. And so as we close our service, um, we're going to have our prayer team on this side here. The prayer team will be on this side here. So if you'd like to receive prayer, someone to pray for you, maybe there's a situation going on right now. You just need, you need a miracle. You need God to do something inside of you. To not let just have boldness, to have wisdom, to do it in the right way. And so if you'd like to receive prayer, you can come up on this side here. And to my right, we have the Lord's table. The Lord's table is not just a table of grace. It's a table of boldness where Jesus demonstrated the greatest act of boldness by going to the cross. And dying for us, resurrecting in power. And so it's a table of boldness, a table of courage where we take the bread and dip it in the cup and God does something inside of us. And so if you'd like to receive that, you can come and receive the bread and the cup or receive prayer to my left. But as we close, I want to invite you to open your hands to heaven to receive a blessing. And if you're new here, we close every gathering like this because this is a posture. We have nothing unless God gives it to us. Silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I give you. And so with your hands, and your hearts in a posture of receiving. Brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he shine his face upon you. May he fill you with peace. May you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit, being bold as a lion. And may God be with you. And may you hear the Spirit's voice and may you have the boldness to say yes to it. So I bless you all today in the strong, in the beautiful, in the bold name of Jesus. And the people of God said, Amen. Grace and peace, everybody.